I don't get where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The director of scouting for TSN will be by in just a little bit. This is episode 14, our penultimate episode. We'll wrap up the show next week with a very special episode for you but the stars of tomorrow are discovered here uh, usually we break things into top shelf talent the next wave and time machine uh, but today we're just going to take a look back at the first round of the NHL draft we're not going to get to every player unfortunately in the first round but we are going to discuss a number of players and before we get to that Need to throw out our trivia question, see if you can get it without looking it up. Ontario had the most players drafted this week out of any Canadian province or U.S. state. Which province was number two when it came to overall picks? We'll also give you a little bit later in the show uh, which state was number one when it came to picks. As for our Twitter poll question, it is regarding what you thought the best moments of round number one were in the National Hockey League draft, and there were some really cool moments. We have Alex Trebek making the Senators pick, Crystal Howardchuk making the Jets pick at number 10. Amazing. And they got Cole Perfetti. And then there was the Sharks signing the pick of Ozzie Weisblatt as his mom, uh, cannot hear and his whole family uh, learned to sign before they learned to speak that was such a great moment that brought the house down so right now the Sharks signing the pick leading the way with 42.3% of the vote Alex Trebek calling out Tim Stutzla at 38.5% a second Crystal Howardchuk at 19.2 and also gave you the choice of other if there was another moment that you liked let me know uh, so far nobody has gone that route. So have your say at Duck Millard on Twitter, and you can get in the game. By the way, Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS hotline. Check it out at uffsports.com. It is easily the most realistic fantasy platform out there. They have hockey in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. They also are branching into MMA in the Ultimate Fighting, Ultimate Fantasy Fighting League. And there will be more to come. This, it's groundbreaking. That's the, that's the word that comes to mind when I think about it. Uh, not only is there, you know, ownership possibilities, 
some owners can't run their teams, but they're making the investment because this is high stakes fantasy. Uh, so maybe you can be a GM. There's those opportunities out there as well. And then there's the scouting platform. Yes, you can become a scout and track the same players, the same guys that Craig Button does. In this format, you own the game, so get in the game. Check it out, www.uffsports.com and find out how you be- can become a part of the action. You own the game, so get in the game. All right, let's get to the game with the man, the myth, the legend, Craig Button, right after this. Here he is, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Well, Craig, uh, the draft has come and gone, and like every year, there were some great surprises, and like every year, there were some great moments. And maybe before we get into analyzing this pick or that player, let's just start with some moments from Alex Trebek, which was awesome, to Dale Howarchuk's wife, to the San Jose Sharks signing the pick for uh, Ozzy Weisblatt and his family, which I think probably brought the house down at the end. Uh, Those are the moments that we'll remember, maybe more than the picks and the players, won't we? Yes, and I I think those are specific moments that were incredibly special. And, you know, Alex Trebek, who's had his uh, uh, own... uh, you know, history, uh, you know, being, being a fan and obviously from Ottawa and, you know, it was a really cool thing he, they did with, uh, uh, with the, uh, with the Jeopardy and the way they set it up. And obviously, you know, the 10th pick by the greatest number 10 in the history of the Winnipeg Jets by Crystal Howarchuk was phenomenal. And, and then you have, you know, Doug Wilson Jr. signing Ozzy Weisblatt, you know, Ozzy's mother is, is deaf. And so that was an incredibly uh, moving moment for everybody. And uh, me specifically on the broadcast, it, I, I was very emotional about the whole thing. You know, knowing the Weisblatt family and, and then, you know, for the San Jose Sharks, not only to, you know, you know, call out a player's name to help him realize his dream, but to be so connected to the situation personally. I mean, I, I mean, it speaks volumes, but on an extension of the specifics was also, you know, it, 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 we're in unprecedented times. We've never had a draft like this and I hope we never have another one like this. But that being said, the NHL, the players, the agents, the technical people that put it all together virtually from all around the world. I mean, every single one of them were stars. We're not going to see other than the players on the ice in the NHL in the years to come. And there's going to be stars that are going to emerge from this year's draft. But every single entity in this draft was a star. 
Yeah, you said it. And uh, you know what? You always hear these good stories, and I think that great story about uh, you know those uh, the the Aussie Weisblatt and and I, I think it was uh, Jake Neighbors, and and you know he taught him sign language on the bus so that they could communicate with the family, and uh, just you know that celebration alone meant so you know was so great because it was pure emotion, and you could tell how much that actually meant to that family. So I, I thought it was uh, it was terrific, and. You know uh, uh, the the story of uh, of Quinton Byfield of the the highest drafted player of color. Well, that's certainly a story that's worthy of discussion, especially in the times that we're living in. Yeah, th- there, there's no question uh, about that. But and that's where you have to adjust. And you know, I go back to the NHL. You know, you know, we there's so much about leadership, right? And yes, you have to look at your situation and your circumstances and provide guidance and provide strength and direction and everything that goes with it. Now, try to do it when there's absolutely no playbook and there's absolutely no history. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to not only be really smart, you have to be creative, you have to be imaginative, you have to be collaborative. The NHL from day one has exemplified Every single significance, every single element and significance of leadership in every single regard. And I think that they serve as a, as a perfect example of how leadership needs to perform under these types of circumstances. Okay, so let's get to the selections now. And obviously, no surprise at the uh, first selection. Uh, and, you know, two and three, and you can interchange uh, the names Byfield and uh, Stutzla if, if you wanted to, and I'm sure lots of teams did. But maybe let's just discuss the fit um, that, that each of these players uh, has for this particular team. I mean, you know, when, when we talk about Quinton Byfield, I don't say Kopitar comes up so much, so this seems like a perfect mentorship. And, and what about uh, Stutzla with the Senators? Well, well, I think one of the one of the key uh, aspects of this, and, and you, you you talked about it, Dean, is that you know we, we can debate who's the better player. Let, let's put it this way: they're they're both really good. I don't think you could go wrong selecting either one of them. But now, when you look at the LA Kings and you say, okay, you have to make a choice. You're the one that has to make a choice. And I've compared them to Anze Kopitar, or Kopitar, and so. You know, you look at that type of a sentiment, six foot five, 222 pounds now. That's what he is. That's, <laughs> you know, when we talk about the growth of a player, he only turned 18 in, in August. And we, we talk about Kopitar. And, and, and I, there's three reasons why I think that Quentin Byfield was the ideal pick for the LA Kings. Number one, this is, this is a player with the skills and the attributes and the determination to be a complete player and to occupy the number one center position in the National Hockey League. Everything being equal, I'm taking the bigger player over the smaller player. And the bottom line is players like Quinton Byfield are unique. So that's the number one reason. Number two, you look at Anze Kopitar. So if he's an Anze Kopitar type and you look at, well, what a great opportunity to, to grow and develop your game under the guiding hand of Anze Kopitar. Number three, Anze Kopitar has been the face of the, of the LA Kings for years. As he gets older, he, he's not going to have the same impact as he once did, but he's got a contract that's longer term. So now once 
Quentin Byfield's able to take on a greater role. It also takes some of the pressure off Anze Kopitar as that contract, you know, moves into his 30s and, and deeper into his 30s, which also allows Anze Kopitar to, to, to be the player that he can be at that age. And I'll add a fourth reason. When you look at the West and you look at Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon and Elias Patterson and Mark Scheifele, yeah, I want to quit Byfield as a centerman to match mm-hmm. up against those guys. No kidding. Uh, what about uh, when when you look at uh, the the third pick and uh, you know we've talked about him being ultra skilled. I have the the second overall pick in my rookie draft in fantasy and a different league, and and this is the guy I'm taking second. Uh, I, I I just love how you described him, and you know what should Senator fans be really excited about? Well, I mean, he, he, he's highly skilled and, and he's, he's got this great creativity in his game. I mean, and, and, and he plays the game with, with what I call a boldness, a boldness of I'm taking the initiative. I'm not waiting to see what you're going to do. You're going to have to deal with me. You're going to have to see what I'm going to do because it, it's not just the confidence. It's also the determination, you know, and he's not, he's not this player. But Peter Forsberg had that mentality. When the puck dropped, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you to make a difference in the game. And what are you going to do to stop me? That's exactly the same mentality that Tim Stutzla has. And, you know, he's got that creativity like Patrick Kane, but he's got that boldness like Peter Forsberg. Wow, that's a nice combination. Yeah, indeed, for sure. Uh, Then the Red Wings go with Lucas Raymond at number four. Uh, I'm wondering... I don't know. You know, I've never seen uh, only Lucas Raymond I've seen is uh, on TV. But do you think Steve Eiserman maybe saw a little bit himself in this winger, even though he's a winger and Eiserman was a centerman, uh, the the responsible in this game, the offensiveness? Uh, do you think there's anything to that? Well, yeah. I, I mean, Steve Eiserman was a was a was a brilliant player. He he had the high end skills, but he also had uh, like the IQ that great players need to have. And, and Lucas Raymond, I mean, he's a winger and you watch him play and, and he's brilliant. He's got that understanding of the game and all its essential elements. And so certainly, you know, as somebody uh, with the pedigree of Steve Eiserman can look and go, geez, I like that. And, you know, you look at how he built the team in uh, Tampa Bay, the Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning that has Steve Eiserman's fingerprints all over it. But, you know, smart players, competitive players, skilled players. And Lucas Raymond qualifies on every single uh, I, on every single one of those counts. And, you know, he's going to need some time to physically mature. And the Detroit Red Wings, they mm. have time because they, they need a lot of good players. They need a lot of quality. And Steve's going to be patient with it. And Lucas Raymond fits uh, not only in terms of where the Detroit Red Wings are in, 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 in their development, but also – to your point, I don't think there's any question that Steve can look at himself, but he can also look at Braden Point or Nikita Kucherov and understand that skilled players like that are really hard to acquire. And when they come along, you can't pass them up. Rounding out the top five was Jake Sanderson, a defenseman uh, from the U.S. National Program going to North Dakota, was uh, at uh, Ralph Engelstead uh, when they did the announcement. That was pretty cool. And he goes fifth 
to the Senators. Right after that, Jamie Drysdale goes six. So that had, that had a little bit of a fantasy hockey pool uh, feel to it when a guy, you know, goalies go on a run and everybody gets it. But the two top defensemen go back to back. What what are any differences between these two guys that, that, that separates their game? Well, they're well. Number one, the way they shoot. So you got a left shot defenseman in Sanderson and a right shot defenseman in Drysdale. Number two, uh, their physical statures. I mean, Jake is a bigger player than than uh, Jamie. Jamie has more offense, in my view, than than Jake does. That's another separator in in, in their games. Jake's game is more predicated on really good two way play, fierce defensively. Jamie Drysdale, in my view, is is a complete defenseman that can do it all. He he does it in a different way uh, than Jake Sanderson. But in my view, th- th- these were clearly the two best defensemen in the draft, and th- there wasn't anything separating them in terms of really okay. Th- th- this guy is so much better than the other guy. I mean, we can all say okay what we liked about one over the other and why we preferred one over the other. Very little separating them. So. When you look at Ottawa making that selection, it's, it simply goes, "Hey, listen, uh, we think that you know he rounds out our team. That's the guy we prefer uh, in this spot." And then Jamie Drysdale quickly up because there was no doubt in my mind that Ottawa and Anaheim uh, were going to take defensemen if they were there. And trust me, if Jamie Drysdale goes fifth, Jake Sanderson goes sixth. So uh, it, it wasn't a case of. Oh boy, somebody else that, that might have you, you jumped on him because the other guy was taken. You you, you took them because those are the guys that they were considering and wanted. Yeah, if you wanted a defenseman in the draft, you were one of those two guys anyway, you were going to have to uh, trade up into those spots. And then right after that, uh, you know, two of the top goal scorers go back to back in Alexander Holtz and, and Jack Quinn. And uh, you know, you you I know you had Jack Quinn really high in your rankings as well. Um, is there? Can, I'll ask you the same question: differences between these two guys in their game, and and maybe you know uh, what sets them apart? Yeah, maybe nothing. Maybe nothing sets them apart. Mm. They're both they're both highly competitive. They're both really smart at at getting open in the offensive zone. They both can score in tight or from distance. They both can score on the rush. Uh, you know, for me, I, I thought Jack's skill level might have been just a, a a notch higher. But Alexander Holtz is is a is a really good player. And for both the New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabers. They needed wingers. They needed wingers to go, uh, in the case of the New Jersey Devils, Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer. And in the case of the Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel and the emerging Dylan Cousins. So, you know, you you look at it and you go, if you want to maximize your center ice position, you better get good wingers, good offensive wingers. Both teams did exactly that. Yeah, and then uh, Quinn got uh, well. If he if he was at the draft, he would have been able to high five his teammate uh, as they came off the uh, podium. But obviously, that's not happening. Marco Rossi goes nine to the Wild, and then Cole Perfetti, uh, the next Canadian team to the Winnipeg Jets. And it's interesting. Um, Cole Perfetti and uh, at Scaroff were the two guys. As you got to number ten, I'm like, wow, I'm surprised those guys are still there. And wouldn't the Oilers be loving it if one of those two guys slipped and then bang, bang, uh, they go to round out the 10 and 11. And, you know, uh, I'm with you. I think Cole Perfetti, I just, I love that player. He was probably my favorite player 
in the draft as I got to know the guys and, and you know my feeling on goaltenders. So maybe just discuss Perfetti to the Jets and then Askarov going just outside of the top 10. Outside of them teasing Oilers fans, yeah. As, they, <laughs> as, they, as, they, as, they, as it gets closer to your pick and you start to think about possibilities, it does become a tease, but that's all it was. Cole Perfetti, uh, you know, just a brilliant uh, player with respect to his hockey sense and his ability to to, to make a difference uh, offensively, and, 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 he, and he is. His anticipation, his understanding, the processing speed, all off the charts. And the Winnipeg Jets scouting staff, to me, do there's teams that do as complete and as thorough a job as the Winnipeg Jets. There's nobody that does, uh, um, does it more, does it better than the Winnipeg Jets. And it's another example. They're not worried about height. They're not worried about Cole Perfetti's there. Away we go. I mean, you know, when, when I was looking at the mock draft and you're looking at Mark Shifley and you're looking at a spot in the second line center hole, you know, I look at a player, uh, such as Seth Jarvis that I think would be a nice fit. And then he's a local kid. Oh, boy, that really fits nicely. But when Cole Perfetti gets to 10, he's a better player than Seth Jarvis in my view. So you you, you can't, in my it, it, if it was close, okay, you might consider it. But I think Cole is, is a notch ahead of Seth Jarvis. Time will tell who's right and who's wrong. But I think it's a tremendous pick. As for a scar off, Dean, I'm going to use uh, – Something that I used on the uh, NBC draft broadcast the other night. Go back to the 2012 draft. I don't know how well you're familiar with it or how well you remember it, but Andre Vasilevsky was the 19th pick in that draft. Mm-hmm. Eight defensemen were picked in the first 10 selections of the 2012 draft. It was it was it was headlined by Neil Yakupov going one, Ryan Murray mm-hmm. going two, Alex Galchenyuk, Griffin Reinhardt. Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, Matt Dumba, Derek Pouliot, Jacob Truba, and finished off with Slater Kuko. At 11 was Philip Forsberg, Michael Grigorenko at 12. Just quick little recap. And, and you know, Tommy Wilson went ahead of uh, Vasilevsky. Tara Vinan went ahead of Vasilevsky. Thomas Hurdle went ahead of Vasilevsky. There is no player in that draft that is better than Andre Vasilevsky. No player. There is no player that's had a greater impact than, than Andre Vasilevsky. In fact, there's no player close to Andre Vasilevsky. He went 19. So when I hear all the narrative, oh, you can't draft a goaltender and you can't do this, why can't you draft a goaltender? If you think a goaltender is that good and has that type of potential to be a number one goaltender, and certainly Vasilevsky was all of that and more, and in, my, in the case of Askarov, I believe is a franchise goaltender. Wh- wh- why are you trying to rationalize not picking him? Because yeah. I think it's a big mistake by too many uh, teams in the National Hockey League. I just think you know, having hard and fast rules in a draft that makes no sense because the players are always changing. So uh, it's just it's kind of silly. It, it, by that logic, you could miss out on a carry price, and that just doesn't. But but, um, but just think about it. there's not one player in the 2012 draft yeah. before at before Vasilevsky or after him that's close to him. Yeah. Yeah, None a, of them. And yeah. Matt Dump is a good player. And Hampus Lindholm's a good player. Morgan Riley's a good player. And Jacob Troop is a good player. Nobody close. Yep. Yeah, that's why he's the uh, top goalie. One of the top, well, didn't win the Vesna, but uh, routinely one of the top goalies of the year. Craig uh, Button, by the way, joined us on the UFFS hotline. 
And you can find out more information at uffsports.com. We had our uh, draft strategy meeting uh, before this call, and we know, you know, what Duckman's domination strategy is, and we're not going to give that away, but we know what we're doing as we head into the draft. And more importantly, we know what high-level scouting is going to do when those three to seven round and uh, undrafted prospects are released. It's like it's like letting you loose in a candy store, Craig. Well, and I will say this, Dean. Let's not we talk about hard and fast rules, right? In the draft with goaltenders, right? Yeah. We 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 may give away our strategy, but for a price. That's Let right. me tell you, it'll be for a high price. So That's right. if anybody wants to make an offer, we'll consider it. We're not going to close our, are we? We're not going to. No, 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 no. <laughs> listen, our, our, we are open 24 hours, <laughs> seven days a week. We might not always accept, but we will always listen to an offer. We don't have anybody who's untouchable. That, but there we go. And so, you know what? Like, you know, we have a plan just like everybody else has a plan. And you know, with that plan, we're going to we're gonna we're gonna work it. We're gonna execute it just like everybody did uh, for the NHL draft in 2020. Uh, and then we're gonna find out uh, in time, you know, if, if what we did was right. And but we have a lot of confidence, Dean, that we're going to be able to deliver on players drafted after the second round that we think can be really productive in the years ahead. Yeah, you betcha. And uh, people can find more information at www.uffsports.com. It is uh, certainly going to be uh, a lot of fun. Okay, so back to the draft. Uh, Anton Lundell goes 12 to Florida. That was a guy that I think Oiler fans would have been really happy with. Seth Jarvis was a guy that a lot of Oiler fans had on their list but dylan holloway is the guy they take and you know just i just remember we just discussed him recently on our last show and the fact that this guy went you know we we know what he did in the ajhl chl player cjhl player of the year and then just got better and better as the season went on it was red hot uh when the season ended just for oiler fans when dylan holloway gets to the nhl where do you see him slotting it? Like, what's his kind of high side, and where do you think he actually settles? I always think they're going to settle in at the high side. <laughs> always, always, always think they're going to settle in at the high side. So, you know, just to clarify that. So, that being said, that being said, you know, I, I like, I mean, I think Dylan Holloway's a, a terrific player. I, you know, I've watched him play since he was. Uh, 14 years of age and just continues to get better. You know, physical maturity, it came. But, you know, the determination, uh, the desire to get better has has always been there. And as the physical maturity started to take place, the skills were already there. I mean, he's an excellent skater. He's He's got very good hockey sense, really good hockey sense. He can shoot the puck. He can make plays. He can handle the puck in traffic. And he, he, he's now powerful. He's powerful. So now it's one thing to have the skill to say, I want to go there. He now has the power to say, I am going there. <laughs> Stop mm-hmm. me if you can. And again, the, the, the progression, the development in his game is tremendous. And, you know, he, he, he's not a player that sits idly by to wait to see how things are going to go. He, he, he's a difference maker. 
He wants to make a difference in the game. He does make a difference in the game, and he can do it in multiple ways. Do not look at his individual numbers. And at Wisconsin, college hockey is really hard, and as we talked about previously, he, he just continuously uh, was taking steps forward uh, before the season paused. And I, I think when you look at the high-end skill with McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins is a good player. Ken Holland has now said that they want Ryan to uh, be a long-time Oiler. Mm-hmm. Dylan Holloway only, only helps uh, this Oiler group going forward. He, he's that good. Now, I've compared him. Uh, like, I, I think he can be a Sean Couturier type. Okay. So I'm not going to give you a lower. Maybe maybe there's higher, but maybe I'll, I'll take Sean Couturier. So you think this guy can easily be in your top six, easily? I have no doubt, zero doubt. Well, that's good. Well, and and you know, it, it, with the with the Oilers, uh, they have uh, some some uh, guys that can shift around. So you know, whether he's a centerman or maybe he moves to the wing, I'm not sure. Do you think he, he seems like a pretty smart pay- player that will be able to move up to the wing if he needed to? Oh, he has played the wing, and there's no problem with it because he's got the power. But let me there just tell go. you, let me go back in time. Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. In 04, they took Evgeny Malkin second overall. Now they win the lottery in 05, and they take Crosby. Do you remember who they took in 06? Uh, it was uh, the Tang? Jordan Stahl. Oh, Jordan. They, yeah, the they, yeah. they, they took centermen in, in, their, in, in consecutive drafts with their first pick. Right. 2-1-2. Two, two. That's okay? right. And Jordan Stahl was a significant, significant player for the success of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins going forward, like to win Stanley Cups and be a, a top competitive team. So I don't need Dylan Holloway to come in. He, you know, if he's your third center behind Dreisaitl and, 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 and McDavid or McDavid and Dreisaitl, and he's your third center, you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, let me just tell you this. you got four top players. Yeah. I, I don't care if you're a third-line center. That's a, that, that's a really good spot to have in your lineup. Do you remember who the third-line center was for the Detroit Red Wings when they won the Stanley Cup in 2002? Chris Draper? Pavel Datsuk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that works. That works for them. Yeah, not bad, eh? So let's, yeah. let like, it's not just about being a top six or a top two. Dylan Holloway makes your team better. For sure. What was, uh, Craig, was there a, a, a pick in the first round that, that you know, because I know you've said, like, I have the players here and, and, you know, maybe the top 12 can go anywhere in the top 12. Was there a pick that caught you off guard? In, in the top part of the draft? In the in the first round, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the easy one to say is Igor Chinnikov. But but, okay. but here's what I'll tell you. Igor Chinnikov, you know, when, when the Columbus Blue Jackets are, are really sharp. I mean, Yarmo's sharp and, and Billy Searin is sharp. They have a really good staff and they're on top of it, okay? So I can tell you this about Igor Chinnikov, is that it was not a surprise to me. Uh, about the player. I know the player. I, I've watched the player for, for three years. And he, he played on the 0-1 uh, Russian team. Okay, so he was with all those. He was with Pot Coles and, 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 and that group of players. So he, he has been heavily scouted and heavily watched. So when I hear people, NHL teams knew about him. Okay, I'm talking more about people that are, oh boy, that's off the board. Oh, really? Because right. you don't know them because you haven't watched them. But right. if you if you were following the Halinka Gretzky tournament, the U18 tournament, the World Junior A Challenge, the 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 tournaments they have in November, and like you you would have seen him. 
He was a dominant player in the MHL last year. A dominant player. That's after going through a draft. So that happens. I see players go through a draft. It doesn't mean that they're not good. It just means they're still developing. They haven't shown enough. But after, so now there's a pause. Well, the benefit for this year's draft is, is that players started to play again in certain parts of the world. And certainly uh, the KHL was one of them. And now Chinnikov goes into the KHL and you're watching him and you're going, oh boy. But make no mistake about it, okay? He was going to be a second-round draft pick. Make no mistake about it. And the NHL teams knew about him. And all he did by playing as well as he did in the the KHL, he just brought more attention to himself. He gave more confidence to teams that he was a really good pick. And there was teams sleeping on this guy, thinking they were going to get him. And the Columbus Blue – like I heard this, why didn't they trade back? I think they realized that they were taking a risk. And and this kid's a really good goal scorer. He's a really good offensive player. So another player that benefited from, you know, playing in the, in the, in the KHL and teams being on them. And like, you know, I, I say this all the time. Scouting is never static. It's never about, Oh, I went to this tournament. He played good. Therefore he's good. Or I went to this tournament and he played bad. Therefore he's bad. It's about continuously watching. And so I talk about Chinnikov. Well, the, Calgary Flames fourth round pick De- Daniil Chechlav, like he's another player playing well in the KHL. They've been monitoring him, watching him, and now they see this player just really developing him. Like he was going to be drafted, and the Calgary Flames go, "Wait a second, we better draft him here." Like here, and a lot of people go, "Oh, we don't know him." That's fine. The NHL teams do know these players, so while publicly people go, "Oh, that's off the border," that's a surprise. It isn't a surprise to the NHL teams. And if it is, shame on them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, speaking of the Flames, uh, I, I was joking that they had to keep trading back because they weren't done writing Lanny McDonald's speech yet. And I love Lanny, and I and I say that in jest because uh, they kept trading back and people were wondering what they were doing. And then they get Connor Zary. And listen, I think if you're a Flames fan, you're pretty, uh, you're pretty happy. I, they should be happy with Connor Zary and with the extra picks they picked up. Well, one of the things the Calgary Flames looked at was they felt that there was a group of defensemen uh, that that they were that they were targeting in the in the third in the second and third rounds, and they and they wanted to have more picks because they felt that there was going to be a, a number of them available. So you know, you, you, number one, identify you know where uh, you think you can get a player. And, and and I'm talking here now about Connor. And then you try to understand what other teams are trying to do and who they're targeting. You know, when the New York Rangers say they want to trade up, Brad Trey Living asks the straight question, who are you looking to get? And and, and all he's got to do is say, I, I won't trade with you unless you tell me. And if it's the right. guy that they're looking at, you say no. And then you try to rely on your intel. So they tell him and he's, he's okay, we'll get our guy. And and then the same thing happens at 24. You ask Brian McClellan, who, who are you looking to, to get? He says, okay, good, no problem, we'll make that trade. And so now not only do you get Connor Zari, you also are, are able to acquire two more picks. Two more picks moving back five spots. And now you get a shot at Jeremy Poirier. And now you get a shot at uh, uh, the other pick, I think it was Jake Boltman, who they drafted out of uh, Minnesota High School. Uh, no, Jer- yeah, Jeremy Poirier was the was the one pick, and uh, I think Jake Boltman was was the other pick they got in the trade with uh, 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 Washington. So you, you never get those guys unless unless you make those trades. You, you got two extra picks 
to be able to take two defensemen that you that, that you felt now whether they were the two guys or, or there's another group, but they get a shot. They get two shots they never would have had. The two picks that I really liked, and I always love some late first round picks, but uh, I love Tyson Forrester. And I loved uh, Brendan Brisson uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, Ridley Gregg uh, was getting a lot of attention going right before uh, the Vegas pick. And that's obviously a, a Brandon Weekend connection with Kelly McCrimmon. But, you know, I love Forrester uh, to the Flyers. And I just, I love Brisson to the Golden Knights. I think just, you know, Kelly relies on his scouts because he knows how to scout himself. And I, I think Vegas, that's a great pick at 29, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. And, and let me just go quickly to Forrester. You know, Forrester, you know, reminded me so much of Corey Perry. I mean, that was mm. incomparable. And it was really funny on, on the draft broadcast on NBC. You know, I talked about Forrester and I talked about the comparisons to to Corey Perry. And, and the reason he, he, he went later in the first round in 2003, Corey Perry, that is, is because there was concerns about his skating. He was lanky. And then Bob talked about, you know, some of the scouts' comments and, and you know, they they thought there was flaws in his skating. And, and, and we, we we talked about it and I said, it's amazing. I see him like Corey Perry and the same comments that were made about Corey Perry and Toe 3 are being made about Forster. It's a, wow. like the comparison was so, so complete. And so I, I think they got a terrific player there that's only going to get better. And, and and as for Brendan Brisson, I mean, I love him. I, I, I think he's a terrific player. I love Ridley Gray. But, you know, Brendan to the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, again, the, the Vegas Golden Knights, they don't care where you come from. They don't care if you're big or small, if you play wing or you play center. They just want good players. And they want players that have skill or competitive and are smart. While Brendan Brisson qualifies on all accounts. And all I all I saw over the last four years, three and a half years, was a player that just got better and better and better and better and better and better and better every time I saw him. I think along with Peyton Krebs, their center ice is in pretty good shape uh, going forward with two very skilled players very intelligent players and highly competitive players. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right. One more episode in this season of tracking the draft, and then we'll be back for 2021. But next week, what we're going to do is we're going to ask for some questions. We've got some already that have come in. So we're going to ask about some scouting tips from you. And uh, we'll give, especially those guys that are in the scouting program uh, with the uh, Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League to be able to, uh, you know, pick your brain a little bit, get some tips. But we we'll also want to hear some stories. So we're going to pick your brain about some stories during the draft and maybe the stories of drafting certain players. I know uh, Jerome McGinley's name has come up in a couple of questions. So there'll be a little bit of a story and advice time next week. How's that sound? And, and you know what? Uh, I love it and I, and I can't wait. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Craig. Have yourself a great weekend and enjoy a little bit of relaxation time now that the draft is over. Yeah, right into free agency. So I jumped from the pan and I jumped from the pot into the from the pan into the fire. <laughs> great stuff. Thanks, yeah. Craig. Thanks. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got a winner. UFFS, you own the game.
So next week uh, will be our final show of season one, and Craig and I are going to do some scouting tips. Uh, it'll be called Craig's Council, and we will be bringing you some tips, uh, some information, and some stories. And this will be especially important for those that are in the scouting program within the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports platform, or for anyone who just thinks they might be interested in scouting, or for anybody who just wants to know a little bit more about, you know, maybe what scouts look for when they're watching a specific player. And we'll also dive into some great stories as well uh, about Craig's time uh, in the National Hockey League as a GM, as Director of Player Personnel, uh, as uh, a scout, uh, so many different things. So, if you have a specific question, whether it's about scouting or it's about uh, you know Craig's time in the league, email us, trackingthedraft at gmail.com, and we will add it to the list of topics when we do Craig's Council. Time to flex your brain and answer this draft-related trivia question. Well, we're waiting. You want answers? Pay attention now. So you're telling me there's a chance. Can you dig it? Hands up with answers. Thank you. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Yeah! All right, our trivia question, we gave it to you earlier. Ontario had the most players drafted out of any province out of Canada this week with 26. Which province was number two when it came to uh, overall picks? And that would be Alberta, right where I'm recording this. They had, our province had 15. Quebec was third at number 12. And the uh, top state is actually states, Massachusetts and Minnesota, uh, coming in with uh, eight players drafted each from those states. Uh, so that is uh, your uh, trivia question. And uh, back to our uh, poll question. What was the best moment? from round one of the NHL draft. Alex Trebek with the Senators pick. Crystal Howardchuk making the Jets pick at 10th overall. The Sharks signing their pick of Ozzy Weisblatt or other. Let me know if there's something out there. Uh, the Sharks uh, leading the way at 30.6% of the vote. 22.2% uh, going to Crystal Howardchuk. 47. Oh, actually, Alex Trebek is uh, taking the lead at 47.2%. Uh, the Sharks are at 36 now uh, and 22.2. That just shifted really quickly. That was really kind of strange. And that'll wrap up our uh, second last show of season one. We will be diving right into season two as uh, there are definitely leagues uh, that are playing. I don't know what the heck is going to happen in Ontario where they are saying that they have to have non-contact. There's no way the Ontario Hockey League can have a non-contact. Can you imagine telling Auburn or Alabama or USC they got to play two-hand touch? It wouldn't happen. So the OHL, if that's the case, they're, 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 I don't know how they can possibly have a season, but we shall see. So Craig's Council next week, we'll get some scouting tips, we'll get some awesome stories as well i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please subscribe and let us know leave us a review letting us know what you think of the show and if you have further thoughts or if you'd like to be involved as an advertiser please hit me up on email tracking the draft at gmail.com of course big thanks to craig button the director of scouting for tsn and a former gm in the nhl and former stanley cup champion as well 
It's always fun to chat with Craig Button with his passion and his knowledge. Thank you so much to you, the listener, as well. One more episode to go in season number one, and then we'll be diving headlong into the 2021 draft and taking a peek ahead to 2022. Thanks to Craig Button. Thanks to you, the listener. My name is Dean Millard. We'll chat with you next week. Remember, the stars of tomorrow are discovered here.